And here's a very important announcement. April the 2nd, Sunday morning, we're going to dedicate our new building. Um, we're so grateful, really, for what the Lord's given us here. The renovations cost $300,000. Uh, we thought it was going to be like one fifty. We were We were close, but <laughs> we had the first half of it pretty well covered. Um, we paid for... We really paid for the work as we went, and we paid for all but uh, $28,000, which is on a bank loan. And we used that for furnishings and equipment, chairs, the sound system, projector screen, things like that. Two-thirds of the money spent on this project came from you, the generosity of this congregation. I want to commend you for sure. That's awesome. Um, we've been saving money for years, literally for six years. We've been saving money. I think we had $70,000 in the bank because I knew we were going to have to do something like this. So it wasn't enough. But the Lord really, really moved and touched hearts, and um, it's really just such a, such a wonderful thing to see the Lord uh, just do what he's done over this last year. I think if I'd have known, I didn't have $300,000 faith. I had, I had 162, <laughs> I had like that kind of faith, I think. But, uh, but I do know this, once I got beyond the point of no return, it didn't matter. You know, then it's, you know, sink, sink or swim, you know, fail, whatever. And then I, if we'd have failed, I'd have just done the next thing. So that's. 66-year wisdom right there, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing lasts forever except the eternal kingdom. Anyway, moving right along. Generosity really is um, one of our very high values here at QCC. We practice it corporately. Ten percent of the general offerings that come in, we give away. On a monthly basis, you help feed children at an orphanage in Haiti through Freddie Powers Ministry. You support Three couples who were pastors in Cuba, who were professional people, doctors and lawyers, uh, who, who gave that up to be pastors. You give to the poor in Israel, not just Jews, but both Jews and um, Palestinians or Arabs. Actually, Scott Volk's ministry does that. He's Jewish. He married, um, uh, where is she from? She's Arab. I can't remember which country, but... She's Lebanese, I guess. Yeah, and so uh, they love whoever they run into over there and do right by them. You help Cameron and Susie Uriah bring the gospel to literally thousands in Iran through satellite television. They're going to be here in a couple of weeks and share with us. It's going to be powerful. You provide support to Jim Hill, a missionary to South America that has inroads to government officials, governors. It's amazing the things he's done. He built an arsenic water filtration plant in the mountains of Peru to keep people from dying from arsenic poison and gave it away, gave it to them. The Lord said, if you'll do that, they'll be open to the gospel. So um, so those are not everything we do, but they're some of the things we do, we being you and I. And so um, as Donna and I were thinking about this announcement, we thought, well, we need to commend people for what they've done over the years. Um, 
Also, if you were here from Stephen Roach came, uh, here's the level of your generosity with Stephen reached uh, $2,500 offering for Stephen. And I have, I'm a pretty good speaker, but I could not make a living traveling and preaching, ladies and gentlemen. I'm serious. That is a hard, hard task. And when you help a guy like Stephen, you really, you know, it's just, it's just a great, great thing to do. And what a great word he had for our congregation last week. I thought that was really so good. And one thing we don't do is when we have people to come, we don't tell them what to talk about because we believe if they ask us, we may tell them general things that are going on, but we just want to hear what the Lord gives them. So when Stephen talked about um, the relationship between creativity and intimacy and courage and that the calling on our church is a little bit unique and different maybe than some of the other ones, you know, he, he was really bringing a, just a fresh word to us. So thank you so much for doing that for Stephen. Uh, I had $1,500 faith that weekend. <laughs> And it wasn't big, huge amounts. I mean, it was like full participation. So that's so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Turn to someone and thank them for what they gave last week or for what they wish they'd given now that they've been commended. <laughs> so on April the 2nd at our dedication, we're going to have something that um, Eric Hurchin uh, had told us about over the years, and we've done it too, called the Big Give. And it's just once a year we receive an offering to take care of uh, aspects of the ministry um, that, that we want to continue to to build an increase. And so on that weekend we're going to receive what we call the Big Give, and we're going to give you from now until then to think about what it is you want to do and, and pray about it. And Andy uh, is in the process of making some envelopes that we'll give you that you can have. Um, but here's what we, we want to do. We want to pay off the $28,000 bank loan. We want to pipe video and audio of the meeting into three different areas in the building so that whenever babies are crying or mothers can't get in here, they can still hear and see what's going on. Isn't that a great idea? I think that's awesome. We put try to put two screens in the lobby, one in the nursing mother's room and a probably a big one in that big room in the back for overflow if we if we need that. So we want to put up a fence around the yard to keep it safe for the children during picnics and other events. Of course we'll have to get that approved by the owners, but I'm pretty sure they'll approve it. So those are just some of the things we want to do in the coming weeks. Is that good? Yeah, it's good. Trust me, it's really good. Okay, I'm going to be talking this morning about tokens. I guess that's up on the screen behind me. Is that correct? Oh, I shut all my stuff down, so let's see if I can figure this out again. Yeah, I'm having trouble too there, Siri, so. Hang on a second. Okay, here we go. Tokens. Are we there? Did that work? Okay, now I'm going to act like I know what I'm doing. Um, in the middle of the night, a couple of weeks ago, I woke up. I, how many of you wake up in the night and the Lord starts messing with you? Any of you? 
How many of you wake up anxious and you're worried about that? That's okay. Well, uh, I woke up the other night in the middle of the night and the Lord reminded me of an episode uh, when I was 12 years old, something that happened when I was 12 years old. I was in a little league game and I hit three home runs in one game uh, out of the park. And the umpires gave me this baseball. And uh, the team was WSOC. Take notes, that's important on second row there. Not really. Um, so I hit three home runs. A teammate hit one, and we got beat seven to six, which is crazy. But um, And it wasn't against a sorry team. I hit home runs against a good team. Now, the Lord was waking me up in the night for a very particular reason, is to talk to me about um, tokens, to talk to me about tokens. And um, three weeks ago, I spoke on why I believe in prophetic ministry, and I gave, I don't know how many specific examples of how prophetic words changed people's lives, gave them needed encouragement or helped change their situation for the better. And really all of those are indicators of how much God really loves them. And these tokens we're going to see in a minute too are, are indicators of how much God really loves us. So you're going to have to sort of walk with me through this a little bit because this may be strange or unique to some of you, but God really wants to communicate with us. And he is willing to use virtually any means. And, um, I believe so strongly in prophetic ministry, the right kind, the kind that builds up and increases and encourages and blesses. I don't believe in the corrective, rebuking, hostile, uh, negative stuff. That's really not New Testament prophetic ministry. I mean, we can go into the argument about that later if you'd like. But nevertheless, I believe in the presence and the power of the Spirit of God and when he's paid attention to, um, and when we understand his heart, uh, prophetic things will, will transform people's lives. And so um, the next week I taught on, uh, sort of in the same vein but a little bit different, I taught on uh, miracles that I had been specifically involved in. Now, I'm never quite sure who you people are from an experiential standpoint. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know who I am because I was there when all the stuff happened. And I know what I understand, but I don't always know what you understand. And so one of the, one of my goals over these last several weeks is to present the power and the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the activity of God in tangible, practical ways to you in ways that you can understand and in ways that you can adapt or adopt and see God in your life and in the lives of people around you really do some wonderful, wonderful things and help people. And, um, you know, Jesus is a wonderful person. I mean, that's such an understatement, but he is just the most amazing person. And to a believer... Believe it or not, believers, Jesus lives inside of us. And whatever he used to do when he was here, he still wants to do through your life. 
But one of the things is a lot of um, supernatural things have been uh, they've been denounced or they've been ridiculed or they've been overemphasized or abused or misused. Um, but there's, there's a very interesting principle you need to realize. Anything the, that is hotly and strongly contested in the Christian realm is so because there's something very significant and very important about it. Because the devil is not going to try to chase people away from something that's not vital or important. That's really the way it works, you know. And then people want to warn you about counterfeits. Well, ladies and gentlemen, a counterfeit cannot be a counterfeit unless there is a real. So anybody that's so concerned about counterfeits has missed the whole point. That was a very interesting snicker over there. Sort of, sort of like that. Yeah. You feel free to do that again. So, this is the verse I was keying off of a couple of weeks ago. Let's read this together. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Illyricum, say that with me. Yeah, good. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So to fully preach the gospel of Christ, according to Paul the Apostle, it should involve mighty signs and wonders. But signs and wonders aren't always just something in and of themselves. Within them, there is help. Within them, there is transformation. Within them, there is healing. But when they come as a sign in wonder, it's a sign that should make people wonder if God's really alive and who really, who really did these things. And so, but part of preaching the gospel of Christ contains demonstrations of signs and wonders, healing, miracles, um, restorations, crazy breakthroughs. Unimaginative, unimaginable sudden reversals of fortune. All of that is what God wants to do. Really. He wants that. He wants that for you. He wants us to believe him for it. But that's part of what needs to go on. Part of it um, accelerates. God will do anything, anytime, anywhere, anyhow. I do believe that. He really doesn't need anybody's help. But for some reason, for the most part, he wants to do these things in conjunction with different people. He, he wants it to be group participation. He wants it to be a relational activity where um, something wonderful happens, not just independently of people, but relative to people and their faith in God. That's the way he's chosen to do it. He could do it all by himself, but he doesn't want to do it all by himself. He's looking for somebody to tag team, to pile up with him, to, to, uh, to, to partner, to partner with him. I mean, even, even the Godhead is a mystery, but there are three people in it. He's one God, but there are three people. What is that all about? God is a community. God himself is a community of persons. He doesn't want to do things by himself. He's looking for, not really looking for help as much as he's looking for avenues. Anyway, 
Part of fully preaching the gospel of Christ contains these demonstrations of signs and wonders. I, I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, he's a security chief at a hospital. And a number of years ago, part of being a security chief is he, he lays hands suddenly on every crazy person. Do you, do you know where crazy people always wind up? At the emergency room. Sooner or later, they're going to get there. So his job is to keep them from hurting themselves or anybody else. And on occasion, he has to grapple with them. So he was fighting this lunatic at the hospital. And the guy grabbed him and slammed his eye orbit. Now, your eye orbit is that, is that bone that contains one of your eyes. Slammed his eye orbit on a doorknob and cracked it. To where his tears would come through his sinus passages instead of through his eyes. And it, one of his muscles would actually get hung up in that little crack. Donna, sorry, she's grimacing. I'm, <laughs> I have grosser healings I could talk about if you'd like for me to. But his eye would hang up and he would think he was looking at you with both eyes, but one of them would be... Looking over there. So he was telling me about it on the phone. He had 2016 vision until that. Then his vision went to like 2060. 2016 to 2060. So he was telling me about it, and I was talking to him on the phone. I said, wow, man, let's just ask the Lord. Lord, just uh, just touch Don's eye. And, and suddenly he says, Robin, stop. i got to leave. I said, Why? He said, my eye is gushing water. Something weird's going on with my eye. His eye gushed so much water, it ran down on his tie, covered his tie. Now, he had been told by the hospital that if he didn't have surgery, he was going to violate his um, medical workman's comp. He said, I don't want to have an operation. They said, we have to have an operation or it's going to mess up your worker's compensation. He said, I, well, anyway, so... His eye gushes water, and he goes down to see one of the doctors that does ophthalmic eye stuff. And <laughs> couldn't get those last couple of syllables out. I don't know. I got hung up in the right at ophthalmological eyeballs. The eyeball doctor. He goes to the eye doctor who has already looked at his eye and already told him he needs this operation. And he's healed. And he's got 2016 vision again. And the doctor knew God had touched him. Sign and a wonder. Why did it come? To heal Don's eye because his eye was messed up and to show this doctor that, you know, that God's a better healer than the doctors. But he likes doctors who heal people. Anyway, now we're talking this morning. <laughs> That sounded so preacher-esque here. It made me a little ill there for a second. Anyway. I'll be back in a minute. What? Okay, we're In closing, 
No, okay. I don't. <laughs> what is a token? Because I'm talking about tokens this morning. Tokens from God. Are they important? What are they? What do they mean? Well, a token is a small part that represents the whole. It's an indicator. It's um, like a gift being a, quote, token of someone's affection. That's what a token is. It's a small part of something larger. It's something given or shown as a guarantee of something greater. A token serves as a proof of something intangible. And so a token can be uh, something tangible that speaks of something intangible that's much larger than, than the token. But you receive the token because it begins to tell you about something larger. Um, it's a smaller manifestation of something much larger. Um, it implies that if the small thing has been received, the larger thing is available. Actually, um, some of the kids will know this. If you don't have tokens in some situations, you can't play. If you want to be in a game, you've got to have a token. So a token is like a promise. It's a small example of a larger, more life-altering manifestations. And one of the ways God speaks is he speaks through tokens. And one of the, one of the things we need to recognize, if you miss the token, if, if you can miss the small tangible thing God is giving you, you can miss the big thing God wants to give you. Are you listening? Yeah. Now, I have, uh, even as a little boy, I would come home with stuff in my pockets that made no sense to anybody but me. Rocks, screws, bolts, something. And then when I grew up, I would go to the beach and I would collect shells that made no sense to anybody but me. But I liked them. I liked them. And then when I really got in touch with the Lord, I was, I, I still, and I still had that same idea in me of seeing smaller things that might not make sense to anybody else that would really make huge sense to me because I began to see as part of the prophetic life, God will give you small, little, tangible things that will convince you he's listening, he's interested, he has something he wants to do, but he gives those to you so that you will begin to believe him for the much larger thing that the token represents. Okay. Now, if you go through the Bible, you can begin to see some of this. Um, Elijah called for a drought for three and a half years, and he believed the drought was about to end. Everybody in the country was angry with him because they blamed the drought on Elijah. And so Elijah, at a given point, understands it's time for the drought. So he goes and he gets one of his servants. And he says to the servant, go up on that mountain, eat and drink, for there's a sound of an abundance of rain. It's this blue sky. It's been blue for three and a half years. No clouds, nothing. 
So Elijah tells his servant to go up on this mountain and look toward the sea and, and tells him to come back and tell me what he finds. And he says, nothing. Say with me, there's nothing. Nothing. He makes him do it seven times. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? Run up to the top of the mountain, look at the ocean. What do you see? I don't see anything. Come back. I don't see anything. Go back again. Goes back and says, nothing. Come back. He's going to two. There's going to three, four, five, six. Finally, at seven, he says, I see this little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising out of the sea. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. Hardly ever see clouds. He sends this guy up to look for clouds, look for clouds, look for clouds, look for clouds, look to see, look to see as a rain. He finally sees on the horizon a little cloud that looks like a man's hand. And he comes back and he says, that's what he sees. So the prophet says, go up, say to the king, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. What was going on? Elijah saw the token, and because he saw the token, he proclaimed the reality of what the token represented. And within moments, the skies turned black, the clouds came, and the breakthrough came, the rains fell, and everything began to grow and be productive again. Why? Because there was a man that understood tokens. Now, we, we, we don't believe in that realm. We just think things happen and there's no... Do you know the Bible actually says that, that God at times has sent droughts because of pe- the lack of people's generosity? You can find it plainly in the book of Haggai. In the book of Haggai, it plainly says, you held back and so the clouds quit bringing their rain. There's a relationship between the people of God and the God of the people. Every single thing has not already been written and pro- every single, th- the script will change based on who's reading the script. There are things that will happen in your life if you will pay attention to the Lord. There are things that will not happen in your life if you don't. Or when they happen, since you are not in touch or in tune, they come right by you. You never see them, you never hear them, you never smell them, you never taste them. Book of Jeremiah, we see another little little uh, token. The Lord says to Jeremiah, what do you see? He says, I see a branch of an almond tree. So there's Jeremiah, the great prophet, chapter one, just getting his prophetic bearings. And so the Lord speaks to him and says, Jeremiah, what do you see? He says, I I just see this vegetation over there. He said, well, what do you see? He says, well, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to him, you have seen well. For I am ready to perform my word. What does that have to do with the branch of an almond tree? Well, on two different levels it speaks. On one level, it's a play on words. Almond tree is shakad. Awake over my word to perform it is shakad. And so the Lord says, you have seen shakad because I am shakad. You have seen um, that almond tree 
and I am ready to perform my word. There's this play on words. Then there's something even more profound than that. The almond tree is the first tree that blooms in the winter. When everything else is dead, it starts first. It's the token of the season to come. And if you miss the token, you can miss the season. So the Lord says, what do you see? He says, I see that plant that wakes up before everything else wakes up. And the Lord says, you have well, you have well observed for I am awake myself to do everything I told you I would do. Is that landing anywhere this morning? Now, seeing the awake tree is a token of God's desire to be awake over his promises. How many of you have promises? Do you know what promises? You know, there are two kinds of promises. There's like the promise of the second coming of Jesus. He's coming back whether people like it or not. That kind of promise. In other words, they're promises that are set in stone. They're promises when God says them, they will happen, period. Then there are promises that God makes to many of us, and they're invitations. They're invitations to bring us into a relationship with him so that the fulfillment of that promise can be walked out relationally, maybe through obedience, maybe through an insight, and a changing of your desire to do a certain thing because you begin to see this promise. Maybe, maybe this promise makes you want to be a holier person. But some promises are not absolute. Some promises are invitations. Some promises are absolute. We have to know the difference. One of the things God wants to do is wake us up. Let's say wake us up. Just turn to somebody and say, wake up, bro. Wake up. Mitch, quit reading your phone, bro. Wake up. Oh, you're reading the text. I'm sorry. My bad. Taking notes. Now, the other night, the Lord woke me up. I can get this thing out of here. I, I thought I could. One of my grandkids were here. They break it before I could even get a hold of them. Oh. He reminds me of a day in my life when I hit three home runs. Out of the ballpark, gone, over the fence. Not through somebody's legs and they tripped and fell on the creek and I kept running. <laughs> Boom! Boom! It's going! Back, 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 out of here! Fat boy, hit one! <laughs> I've been fat all my life. I, I, for a while I wasn't, but I didn't realize it. I still felt fat, so I just kept eating and got fat again, so... Back, 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 back. My mama was there. My brother was there. My dad was there. <laughs> but I'm pretty well adjusted, so. But I, I can be sensitive sometimes. Uh, now, here's a problem. Here's a problem with hitting three home runs in one game. I played 10 years. 10 years. I played from 19... 61 to 1971, I was good. I really was good. Let me pat my, let me assure you. 
My dad coached college baseball. He said, I was a better high school catcher you ever had in college. I hit for average. I didn't hit for power. I was on a city championship baseball team in high school. I got a college scholarship to play baseball. I could play baseball. But here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. The only three home runs I ever hit in 10 years were in one game. That day, I could have hit him with a tennis racket or a toothpick. I was, I, why, why, why would God remind me in the middle of the night about something that happened in 1963 when I was 12 years old? Well, he was wanting me to wake up to the principle that God can do something unbelievable through me any time he wants to, okay? Why am I talking to you about it? So that you can think God can do something through me unbelievable any time he wants to? No, no. This is a token for us. Some of you have lost hope that God will do the impossible for you. Wake up. Wake up. Some of you never had hope that God could do great things through your life. Wake up. He really can. He really will. He really does. I can remember to this day the look on Rob Pierce's face when I hit that second home run off of him. He was dumbfounded. I was dumbfounded. I couldn't figure out how I was doing it. I really couldn't. I tried the rest of that season to hit him. I couldn't do it. But the Holy Ghost can come upon people. The, that Holy Ghost that lives in you can come upon, can come. Listen, it's not always that God just wants to do something wonderful and you see it. He wants to do some things that are wonderful through your life. Through your life, through you, to someone else. My goodness. The loss of hope that people have opening up to bad behavior, bad choices, make bad decisions. Wake up! You need to wake up to who God is and what he wants to do. There is nothing impossible to God. There is no impossibility. I heard one guy say, uh, it's impossible for God to lie, and that's what the Bible says, so that's something impossible for God to do. But if, I don't know, maybe he's got a way of lying that's the truth. I don't know. Anyway, listen to this. God wants to break limitations off of your life. That's what he's asking us to wake up to. God wants us to stop looking at our lives through the rearview mirror, through the way we used to behave. God wants us to stop looking at one another from our past. I have two more tokens to go, but I don't have much time. Let me read this verse of Scripture to you out of Matthew. This was the feeding of the 5,000. Now, you know, I, uh, I was in the restaurant equipment business for years. I've been 
in and out of way, more hospitals, kitchens, restaurants than you can imagine. Uh, put kitchens in Presbyterian Hospital, Memorial Hospital, Mercy Hospital, Carowinds, all over. And you cannot imagine how much equipment it would take and how many people it would take and how many walk-in coolers it would take and how many refrigerators it would take and how many ovens it would take to feed 5,000 people. You can't even imagine. But Jesus didn't even blink. He didn't blink. So we find this in Matthew. It's in in, uh, the Gospels, I think all four of them. Jesus commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, what did he do? Blessed them and broke. It actually doesn't say he blessed and broke the fish. It just says he blessed and broke. Say blessed and broke. Blessed and broke. Blessed and broke. Now we assume he was talking about the fishes. I'll read on. There's a point to be made. And gave the loaves to the disciples And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. What did Jesus break? He didn't break the loaves and the fishes. I used to preach this. I'm going to preach that yet because it's a powerful concept. But what he broke was the limitation. You see, the blessing that the Lord wants to release on Queen City Church is the limitations that we have when we look at who we are. Three home ones run game. Never, never, I think I did hit one more. Now that I think about it, but uh, I was never never a fast runner. Can you imagine that? But I hit one baseball in the tenth grade so far at Garinger, it went over the left fielder's head, down the hill, onto the other field, and they almost caught me at the plate. I was chugging, baby. <laughs> and my dad used to say, well, Robin, it's, it's not that you're slow. It's just that you, when you're running, you stay in one place too long. <laughs> now, home run number four speaks of effort. One through three speaks of grace. I could have I could have had a ping pong paddle that day. Pow. Watch this. Close my eyes. Turn my back. Pow. Because there are going to be days like that, ladies and gentlemen. You know, Mama said to be days like this, those terrible days. Well, Daddy says there are going to be days like that, where the impossible happens, where the things we have never imagined would happen. God will release to people that are paying attention. To the tokens.
Let me pray. Here's the thing. Uh Uh-oh. I got limitations. I'm aware of them. Things you don't even know anything about. You, you see me out there. I see me in here. But the Lord wants me to know, me personally, as a picture for you personally, that there are things he hasn't done yet he really plans on doing. And he, want, he wants my faith to rise. He wants me to believe him. You know, one of the impressions I continually get, how many of you ever seen these battle scenes where war is looming and it's inevitable and troops are gathering at the borders preparing for an invasion? How many of you have seen images? I want that. How many of you? Okay, uh, just, just get that image in your mind. Troops gathering at the border, a looming conflagration. That's the impression I get repeatedly of angelic forces preparing for an invasion of our world. You know, one of the things the Lord showed me through an amazing encounter was he has a new vision for the United States, and it is not this political vision or any of that. It's some, listen, when the power of God touches a nation, the nation changes from the inside out, not from the government imposing things in. That's why socialism will never work. Come on, it'll never work. Socialism is um, the government has the right to say who's greedy and who's not. I read this thing the other day. Why, why is it that, well, I'm not going to get into it, but the thing is, there has, here's what the Lord wants to do. He, he wants to, and I believe it's looming. I believe there's like this bubble of Holy Spirit activity that is just like filling a balloon and it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And in that side of that balloon is this Holy Spirit empowering force that will radically change the way we see one another, radically change the way we see the Lord, and it will bring into our nation what can only be called uh, as a, a restoration, a great awakening, where people are nice to each other for no good reason. And I just keep sensing at the borders between the heavenly realm and the earthly realm, there are gathering angelic forces. And see, what I'm doing, I'm looking for the pin. Because I want to pop that balloon. Because I know, I know, I know, I know at a given point, if the pressures from the heavens get tight enough, it's only going to take one little boop, ba-boom, to let the whole thing go. Let's read this verse of scripture. Now. 
What's that first word? Now. Do, do, uh oh. Do I, do I need to give you the definition for now? Is it gotten that bad? Now. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to what? But see, I believe the Lord wants to give us tokens because we have this and we don't we do not realize how much darkness has kept us back from experiencing God at the level of exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or imagine what could you imagine what's the wildest thing you could imagine God really doing Well, he's asking you to invest some imagination. Listen, here's the way I am. I want to so invest myself in the next thing the Lord's up to that if it doesn't happen, I would like to be devastated temporarily. <laughs> now, see, you think, well, that's ridiculous. No, if you're not invested, you're not in. You're still, you're, you're still sitting on the sidelines somewhere saying, well, I got hurt once. I'm not going to get hurt again. You know how that you know how those people do you. Oh, oh, you you're already hurt. Your your hurt's just different. Your hurt's got a wall around it, and you think that wall's going to protect you. That wall it may protect you, but it seals you off from every good thing you want to come your way. You got to let that wall. If you're going to hurt, just go and get hurting. Just be hurting. Hurt. Get it out. Moan, cry, bellyache, lament, whatever. But don't wall it up. Because it doesn't go away. It eats at you like a cancer. Oh, well, come on. Now, to him, you got to invest. You got to put in. Come on. If it don't work, it's got to hurt a little bit. Well, I heard what preachers said, but come on. When babies come, they hurt. That's the fact of life, ladies and gentlemen. There ain't nothing in this life worth anything that doesn't hurt sooner or later. Come on. That's true. We're trying to figure out a way to never get hurt again. It ain't going to happen. Just, just don't be a herder. Don't. But you, you got to you got to be. You listen. Tear that wall down. We we think the great, greatest wall ever torn down was the the Berlin Wall, where Reagan said, "Tear this wall down." No, there's there's a what much more strong, much stronger wall in people's hearts. And what happens is when you try to seal things out, you find out lots of times a lot of what God wants to do is on the other side. So let me pray. Why don't you stand up? I'm going to pray.
We got good counselors in this church too. If you need to talk about some things, I'm not really one of them, but we do have some really good ones. <laughs> I'm good for like round one and round two <laughs> and round three. Uh, anyway, father, such great people here, Lord, such generous people here, such kind people, Lord. I just love these people. Thank you for them. Lord, help us tear down our walls. And Lord, we want to say yes to you this morning, to your desire to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. If that's you, let's say yes together. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, Lord. Uh, We don't want to live normal lives. We want more. Lord, release the power of the age to come again. Lord, restore people's lives who everybody and everything is given up, given up on. Lord, I know you want to reverse impossible situations. You want to transform. You want to ransom. You want to intervene. We say yes. We say yes, Lord. You are able to save to the uttermost every single person who comes to you, to the uttermost, every aspect, everything saved, everything recovered. In Jesus' name, amen. Okie doke. We have teams that would be glad to pray for you this morning. Here comes Stephen. You on the teams this morning? Yeah, if anyone would like prayer, uh, please come right over here. And if anyone needs healing. We'll also be glad to pray for you for that. And have a great week. Is everybody good?